This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Regular season is in full swing here in Finsider Radio. Welcome into the Jake and Josh show. That must mean I am Jake Mendel, joined by the one and only Josh Houts. In this episode, we plan to give you a breakdown of how the Dolphins can win in their home opener against the Buffalo Bills and a couple more reactions we have from the Patriots game as we start to discover what the Miami Dolphins identity might be moving forward. But before we introduce Josh, before we get into all that, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve that. And leave a comment. Those things are really what help us go and help us figure out what we're doing strongly, what we're doing that needs to maybe be changed. So, Joshua, with all that in mind, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be able to talk about Dolphins football. I mean, like you said, this is the home opener. There are going to be fans in attendance. It's going to be interesting to see the way everything plays out, but this is a huge divisional matchup. And after what the Dolphins did, you know, what they laid an egg basically up there in New England. They have to turn everything around because, like we're going to talk about, this Buffalo Bills team is very similar to what the the Patriots did. So, uh, big week ahead, big divisional matchup. I'm excited. Let's dive right in. Keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. I am found at jmendel94, J-M-E-N-D-E-L. And Houts, you're pretty simple, straightforward, H-O-U-T-Z. And Josh, the reason I bring that up is I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I saw it on Reddit. I saw it on Twitter. And I started reading the, the quoted 
Uh, the quoted retweets because I thought this was the funniest thing in the world. He posted a video of Tua's highlights in week one, which was literally, you know, him standing on the sidelines. So what were your thoughts when you were just kind of putting that together? Because I was, I was laughing my ass off at that. I, I mean, I don't know if people realize this now, but there's a, a, a Twitter, Left Arm of God. I made it up because a lot of people thought Dan Marino's nickname was the Right Arm of God. It just kind of felt natural. But I, I had this idea when I first made that a, a blog, and I thought I was going to sit here and I'm going to do all 22 breakdowns of two of every week. I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't get a play. To me, I, you saw him a lot in the in the broadcast. All 22 did not come out until this morning. NFL Game Pass took my 100 bucks like nothing, but it did not come out, so I had some time on my hands. <laughs> I went through. I, I found that the music that someone had made for me earlier in the year, and it just fit in perfectly. I love that slow motion where he stood up and put his helmet on. Dude, I was in tears. Like, And, and it's just awesome because, I mean, we're all Dolphin fans. You know, this is just kind of a, a light way to, to poke fun, fun at, you know. Yeah, it's it, exactly. Fun. It's fun. And we took that L. We, we admittedly have a lot of things that we got to change. But, you know, we're all excited about Tuatana Valoa. I, I saw an opportunity, and I went for it, and I thought it turned out pretty well. <laughs> and I mean, we talked about it in the previous episode, uh, and and that video kind of stuck with it. Of man, he is, you know he's lurking around Flores all the time. He's always got his helmet on. I mean, he is literally just waiting to walk out onto that field. He's waiting for his moment, and I think Dolphin fans are too. Um, and, and I think we can kind of get into that. I mean. New England is a great defense. They were the number one defense in 2019. A lot of that had to do with the coaching. And Buffalo is another team that has an excellent, excellent defense. Uh, so I don't know if, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, another str- uh, another harsh performance would be enough to push Tua in there. But it's definitely just going to make the conversation go bigger. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But just some kind of wrap up things to kind of finish off the Patriots thing. Uh, I saw Kyle Van Noy tweet yesterday well a quote in a tweet that i thought was worth bringing up where he kind of said that everybody wants to be a coach but he was playing his assignment and i think that's so important because i think it was even brandon jones uh after that game he had 10 tackles who was talking about how players you know sometimes try to do too much and as a result other players may look like they're out of position they're not doing their job but in reality that like it's so hard when you don't know the play calls to really say someone's playing bad unless they straight up get blown up on a tackle. Unless it's Danelle LRB getting trucked by Geno Smith going into the end zone in week 16. We truly don't know where people are playing. And that's something Flores has said. It's the, it's the Patriot system too. You don't need to go over and do above and beyond and be that guy who stops an entire game. If you go out there and do your job, uh, everybody plays and does what they're supposed to you're going to see results. And I think that was the biggest issue in week one. We saw Emmanuel Agba kind of struggle in week one. We saw both the defensive ends really not do too, too much. So that's something to really keep in mind when we want to, you know, trash guys after one week and, and things like that. Not only is it one week, we really don't know the systems. I mean, Kyle Van Noy is that leader of that defense. I mean, I'm going to take his word for it. I think it, it is frustrating when you lose a game like that and you say, and you, you know, read tweets or whatever saying, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Where were you at? But I mean, it is what it is is you're doing what the coaches tell you and that's really all you can truly ask for so i thought that was a kind of interesting quote just to kind of put some context into the defensive situation i'm with you and i i know i raised some eyebrows amongst you know dolphin fans because they're wondering is the honeymoon phase already over we know kyle vandoy had all that success up there in new england he came to miami you know they lose week one against his old team didn't get to play those snaps that he had liked so I think you're right. It's week one. We can't put too much into this. In fact, Brian Flores addressed the media earlier today, and he was asked the same question. He said, you know, like, look, it, we know what type of offseason it's been. We just had to change some things up against New England. And he said, there's no reason to think that since Kyle Van Noy wasn't, you know, out there full-time, wasn't a full-time player against New England, that doesn't mean he might not be against Buffalo. So it's early. A lot of things to, to kind of fall into place here. But 
Kavan Noy, I mean, he was at the top of those free agent signings. So you'd like to see more out of him. You'd like to see him get some more playing time, but you understand that frustration. And for a team that, I mean, they went out there and they got bullied. I mean, they just – Cam Newton and the New England Patriots did pretty much whatever they had wanted. So it's it's something you hope can change over these next – you know, what, what do we got? We're, we're what, three, three days away? Friday, Saturday? Yeah, we're three days away from game day. So, uh, I mean, they got to figure it out fast. And you have the notes here, and it's kind of interesting to see that you know, the rookies, they played 224 snaps in week one, second most in the league behind Jacksonville. Uh, the top five was Denver, Dallas, and Carolina, all young teams, I guess, except for maybe the Cowboys and Broncos. But that, that's pretty significant when you hear that 224 snaps from the rookies. We heard Brandon Jones, you know, he played great or did well in nickel. We, we talked about the offensive line. A lot of young players here, so it's not really surprising. But 224 snaps, it just goes to what Brian Flores has always said. And, you know, those young guys, those better, whoever is the best players throughout practice and, you know, Throughout the week, they are going to, to, to have those opportunities on game day. And, and that's what we're seeing. And you got to be excited because, again, we talked about this all offseason. 2020, do, do not fret. Do not get – you know, everyone is right now, they lost a game. We, we lost to New England, 21-11. I don't know what people were expecting. You know, after all, the entire offseason we had, after everything, not even knowing if we were going to have football, I don't know what people were expecting the Dolphins to go out there and how mm-hmm. they – I mean, I guess you were disappointed. We all were. We waited so right. long for football. But at the end of the day, this is what you expect. you got to get those kinks out and – I mean, 2020 is the the order. 2021 is the entree. I'll just I'll just keep saying that all season long. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, that that stat of the four of the five teams lost except the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, oh my God, what kind of game that was? Uh, I I think that was going to be an outlier moving forward. And yeah, just should, a couple should, more. Should things. we eat the crow? Should we eat our crow right now? Because we were definitely saying you should just follow the Jags. All year in survivor pools, and, and we were pretty wrong. Well, my if, if you could already guess, I am certainly out of survivor because I definitely took the Colts. Colts, I thought, was a, an ideal Super Bowl sleeper pick. You know, I, I thought Phillip Rivers. I thought that defense. I thought uh, they have a great coaching staff. And uh, you know what? Take that for what it is, I guess. Um, the Dolphins targeted the running backs just six times, which was about middle of the pack in week one. Just to put some context, whether you want to kind of play like a Miles Gaskin or even a Matt Breida this week in fantasy, I think that's kind of something to keep in mind. Obviously, something you got to also think about in that situation is that the Dolphins didn't have a lot of opportunities to kind of see their offense develop in week one. You know, you mentioned or you kind of want to bring up the three interceptions by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Plus, you know, the Dolphins on defense seemed like they played uh, safe, right? They didn't really give up too, too, too much any big plays but as a result they just kind of got nickeled and dimed all the way down the field which is frustrating and with that both Chan Gailey and Josh Boyer took L's uh took blame for Sunday's loss uh, and finally the last note here regarding the Patriot game I thought was worth bringing up is Solomon Kinley's 73.1 pro football focus grade was ninth among all right guards uh it's just still really nice to see the Dolphins have a solid offensive line and if the Dolphins offensive line is average at worse throughout this entire season that does that's still enough i believe to have a successful season and be excited about what the team's doing forward uh josh before we take our first break here i want to ask you this uh alan roberts robinson all the drama around him we're starting to hear he removed the bears stuff from his social media uh what would you trade for someone like alan robinson because i think the dolphins are starting to reach a point in the rebuild where you kind of make that short I don't want to say short-sighted move because I don't think that's fair, but a, a game-changing move for a veteran, you know, you maybe move away from a draft pick or two in order to kind of get a stud. You saw Arizona do it with DeAndre Hopkins, even though that was that was highway robbery. I mean, whether it's a team like uh, 
the Bears getting Khalil Mack back in the day. I mean, these these trades happen when a team's up and coming and they want that next little push to get them over the edge with that elite player. So, I mean, if you had to make this trade, you see the Dolphins, uh, Devontae Parker struggling with injuries, Preston Williams still coming back, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson gone for the year. What would you try to trade away for someone like Alan Robinson, especially if you could potentially get him to sign long-term and become Tua's guy? That's a, that's a great question because I think a lot of people kind of forget just how good Allen Robinson is. And I mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I've had him in fantasy football. Maybe that's why I understand just how talented of a player he is because he was going out there and he's putting up these huge numbers with some of these quarterbacks like a Blake Bortles, like a Mitch Trubisky. I mean, exactly. Allen Robinson has been surrounded by, you know, a terrible quarterback play. And he's gone out there and produced number one wide receiver numbers. And I think – I'm going to catch a lot of slack for saying this, but a lot of this comes back to that Devontae Parker injury. And if this is a bigger issue than, you know, we expect and, you know, they do need that that wide receiver, why not make this trade for Allen Robinson? I'm thinking it's a second, you know, maybe a second and a mid-round pick. You know, maybe there's an additional in there, but I think it starts with a second-round pick. And the thing I said I'm going to take slack for is saying this. If the Dolphins traded for Allen Robinson and, you know, physical traits aside, you know, I, I see what Devontae Parker is. We know how dominant he is when he's healthy, but that last part is the big thing there is when healthy. You bring Allen mm-hmm. Robinson in, and to me, I think that's immediately the Dolphins' number one wide receiver, at least from mm-hmm. a talent standpoint, from a consistency standpoint, from going out there and making plays. So would I like this move? I, I, I mean, you're right. At what point does it go from you're rebuilding or now, you know, you could use this 27-year-old wide receiver because you have a wide receiver problem. Yes, he's going to need a new contract, but you have the space to give him that new contract. So there's a lot of intangibles that go in here. But do I think Allen Robinson's talented enough to trade a second-round pick for? Absolutely. Do I think he would come right in? And push, I mean, it's it wouldn't be a competition, you know, because all three of these receivers would have a, a pretty heavy imprint on this offense. And, I mean, what better trio could you find the NFL than Devontae Parker, Allen Robinson, and Preston Williams? I mean, that would look pretty damn scary on paper. I know we didn't talk about this, but I want to throw this back at you. Another name that's been thrown out there, and you've heard the rumors, and we know that he is a much bigger name <laughs> than Allen Robinson. But tell me your thoughts. For, for, I mean, I, I don't know if you really said whether you or not you would trade or what you would trade for Allen Robinson. Tell me that, and then let me know what you think about Odell Beckham Jr. and which one of these wide receivers, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the contract, when you look at their age, which one of those guys would you make that pick for? Because personally, I think you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more for Odell Beckham Jr. than you would in Allen Robinson, trade compensation, and as far as dollar signs as well. So a lot of different things in here, but do I think Allen Robinson or even Odell Beckham could absolutely help this receiving core 100%. I would I would lean towards Allen Robinson if it was my choice. Yeah, and the reason we can kind of talk about the, it, this is because of the situation the Miami Dolphins have put themselves in. Uh, Devontae Parker's awesome. I mean, we're going to talk to, I'm going to talk to about him a little bit, uh, actually quite a bit in a little while, but, you know, he's making $10 million a year. That's a great asset. That's not giving uh, a player a hamstring amount of money where you need him to be the guy. The Devonte Parker deal is excellent, excellent, excellent. And you know what, for Allen Robinson, I'm just going to say this. I go to the bears. I mean, I think for both of these guys, I think you kind of have to play a little bit of chicken. You got to wait to see how the season goes over the next two to three weeks. And if there, these teams are one and three, Oh, and four, something like that. I'd be looking at whatever uh, I'd go up to them and say, hey, we got two second round picks, Houston and our own. How can we make it so you get the one that's lowest? And I think they'd take that because if let's say for the Houston Texans season becomes an absolute disaster, they have a very tough schedule to begin the year. I think they, you know, they started 
on Thursday night football against the Chiefs. Now they're playing the Ravens. I mean, and the schedule is going to remain challenging for them in that uh, AFC South, especially with what the Titans are doing. Uh, I would honestly say to either one of these teams, and I'd start the conversations of, we're going to make it where you guys get the lower of the two picks. And you can kind of sit there and say, well, obviously they'd want the higher. But let's say Houston, if their season is awful, is absolutely possible, they figure out that they get the seventh pick. I can't see the Dolphins finishing with a pick higher or lower than like 17 at the absolute best case scenario, right? Like we want them to make the playoffs. Odds are I feel they're going to be an in-the-hunt team when it's all said and done. So, I mean, if it's picks 15 through 18, whatever it may be, somewhere in there, I think that could be enough to really get the conversations going and whatever it may be, a mid-round pick, something like that to, you know, make things look a little more nice would be great. Another thing about Robinson, you mentioned the frame. I think you could use him. Parker Williams, very interchangeable. But the thing about Odell Beckham, and I really just kind of thought about this, is you kind of look at what Tua did in college. Um, He loves the slants. He loves the quick passes. And, you know, then his wide receivers are in a situation to make a play. Odell Beckham made that his, his, you know, shining moment in New York, right? It was the dump-off passes. It was the slants from... uh, Eli Manning, where he just took it 65 yards to the house. Yes, we know about the catch. But, I mean, this guy is a really, really quick twitch variable that the Dolphins could most certainly use moving forward. And, you know, Beckham was a lot of drama. I think I'd want Robinson more. But if we're talking about scheme, I think we'd have to look really hard and really closely about how Beckham could possibly be that type of guy that Tua could have as a match made in heaven where they just work so well together, they feed off each other's strengths and really put together an unstoppable force. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. And I think what this all comes down to, again, is how, you know, determined are the Dolphins to truly compete and go out there and, and you know, make try to try to win the division in 2020. Because, again, we keep saying how they're going to be good in 2021. We're talking about all these draft picks they have. We, we know how good the wide receiver class is next year. We know he's going to have a lot of Alabama receivers coming out. You know, you can get Devontae Smith or you can get Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase. There's so many different uh, wide receivers out there. You know, Rendell Moore. The list goes on and on. Rashad Bateman. There's so many good wide receivers next year. So at what point do the Dolphins say, you know what, maybe we don't do this and we, and we go and get this younger player that's on a rookie contract that we can mold, that we know is this young, determined player. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., as much as we love him here in Miami, we know his issues. You know, mm-hmm. we see we see what he's doing right now there with his best friend Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield. Everyone thought he was going there, and this team was going to turn into a Super Bowl contenders, and it's the complete opposite. We saw the drops mm-hmm. he had. So I don't know the Dolphins are going to go out there and make a move for either one of these guys, but if they do, I do think it would be Allen Robinson. I'd have no problem with that, but again, I think a lot of it, it really comes down to how badly the Dolphins feel they can compete in 2020, and I think us as fans, I mean, we think they're right there in this. I mean, obviously week one might have, you know, been a step back a little bit, but I think I'm with you with the Dolphins being in the hunt, and a guy like Allen Robinson could definitely push them over the edge. Let's take a moment to hear uh, from our advertisements, and then we'll get into the question of the week versus Buffalo Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And after that word from our sponsors, let's get into the question of the week by Jake. Could we live in a world where Tua is part of packages in an offense before he becomes the full-time starter? Jake, 
since this was your question, what are your thoughts on this situation? This is something I've seen pop up here or there, and, and I thought it was really interesting because it's something I really didn't, like, ever consider. And, you know, when you kind of see teams use two quarterbacks, a lot of the time, you know the saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have one. Uh, we know it's happening with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. Uh, Hill can obviously line up all over the field, while Brees is a future Hall of Famer, so you understand why he's in the feud. In the field, excuse me. But generally speaking, this is going to have to be a no for me, dog. Just for the uh, simple reasoning that once Tua's on the field, I want him to be the guy. I want it to be his team. I don't want to have to worry about this going back and forth. It legitimately would feel like something that you're just kind of chalking up to the you're being too cute. Like that's kind of where I'd I'd kind of put that is you're you're trying too hard to make things complicated and I don't think I'd do it but since I I still think it's a great question and you know it's probably something they've thought about but but overall I think if Tua's in the game I think I want him just to be the starting quarterback nothing too fancy anything like that. I th- I think you said it best and I think it's probably something they thought about and I think you know I I believe the Dolphins and Brian Flores and you know Chan Gailey they might want to do this more than Dolphin fans I mean I think we mm-hmm. all we all feel a sense of. You know, as, as soon as two is out there, I mean, we're all going and anytime, you know, he, he gets hit or anything, we're just going to be on on pins and needles, you know, just waiting for something to happen. So I, I don't know if I necessarily want him out there, you know, running some, uh, you know, RPOs or, you know, whatever it is. But at the same time, I think you need to get to an acclimated to the NFL game. And if, you know, we saw these spot starts with Josh Rosen before he eventually became the starter. So at what point are the Dolphins going to? give two of those opportunities. And we saw, you know, after three interceptions, I think we all can agree the leash is going to be a little bit longer in 2020 than in previous years. But he goes out there and throws three interceptions against Buffalo. I mean, then things start to teeter. So I'd like to, I'm I'm with you. I'd like to see him when he is out there on the field with his helmet on. And you brought it to my attention. I mean, every time that, the, the defense came off the field and the offense was going out. I mean, Tua stood up, put his helmet on, and he was right there in the coach's ears listening to what was going on in the field. And we heard the coaches and the players just praise how well he was prepared this uh, on Sunday, you know, mentally. He couldn't go out there physically, but he mentally prepared as he was the starter. So, I personally, I do not want to see this, but at the same time, I do think, again, Dolphins, Brian Flores, Chan Gailey, they probably thought about this. This might be something that they're – you know, they they might have some plays in, in a couple packages together, like you said, that they could implement if if necessary. I mean, we, we saw the Mountaineers shot last year. No one right. no one in the world saw that come, you know. So I think they do have some plays for Tua. Whether or not we see those, I mean, that's to be determined. But I'm 100% with you. I don't think it is in the Dolphins' best interest to throw Tua out there at any point in the season unless he's a starter. Uh, if Tua's out there, I want to see him starting quarterback. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's a simple – I mean, you don't want – I mean – the thing with Tua is people, I don't even know if they're doing this, but I think if you're looking about a package, we're forgetting that Tua's quick. He's not necessarily the fastest, right? There, there's kind of a big difference there. Um, he's great in the pocket. He's very flexible. He can move his feet incredibly fast, but I don't know if you can have uh, him running plays where 11 guys on the defense are going to wind up having to chase him around the field. I don't know if he's that type of player. Um, moving on, Josh, I want to talk about uh, a potential player who could have an expanded role in week two. I think we're going to try to do this every week. Someone who's going to have an expanded uh, role, be a bigger part of the game plan. This one might be kind of a cop-out, cop but I think I got to say Devontae Parker, right? As of Thursday, he was practicing on a limited basis. He played 37% snap, uh, percent of the snaps in week one and still registered a bananas, 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 87.6 pro football focus grade against a fantastic defense. Uh, but... He said, you mentioned it in our previous show, that uh, he put on Instagram that he's Gucci, a.k.a. that he's good. 
Um, the Bills are a fantastic team defensively, and you can't let them strong arm you into becoming one-dimensional. I think Parker's talent level is so great where he can beat whoever he's playing against. Uh, we've been asking for it for years, uh, a play, a situation, a scheme where players are going to line up against the Dolphins and know what they're going to do and still not be able to beat them. Devontae Parker really gives you that. If he stays healthy, obviously he's going to be a bigger part of the game plan, so that's why this is a little bit of a cop-out. But I think Parker's health will play a big role in how things are going to go on Sunday, 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 Sunday. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's a great great pick there. I think you, we, you said it. I mean, Devontae Parker was playing pretty damn well before he, he went down. For me, I, I think it's probably another cop-out, and I think a lot of us were scratching our heads at the beginning of the last game where the Dolphins, you know, we all kind of thought they were going to come out and run the football. Where was Matt Burita? And we know they mm-hmm. like Miles Gaskins. You know, we've heard all the praise there. Maybe they're similar players, but I'd like to see him take over some of those. Kalen Balaj, I mean, Jordan Howard carries. I, I, I get they similar to Gaskins, but this is the fastest player in the NFL. There's no reason why you pass on all those running backs in the draft, trade a mid-round pick for Burita, and then have him ride the pine for Miles Gaskin. Jordan right. Howard, I, I think we see a bigger role here. Uh, I have it written down that he had 14 offensive snaps. That was 23%. I believe he took three special team snaps. So you trade for Matt Breida, and you know, again, you pass on the J.K. Dobbins, you pass on the C.E.H.s, you pass on the Jonathan Taylors, you pass on all these running backs. You made that trade. You know, you signed Jordan Howard to be that that veteran, that early down back that's going to go out there and be that thumper. Then you brought in Matt Breida, again, the fastest player in the NFL. I understand that Miles Gaskins worked his ass off this offseason, but I would like to see more from Matt Breida. And I think, you know, we've heard the coaches talk about it. I think we, we can expect him to go out here and have a significantly – bigger role than he did last week so you went with Devontae Parker I think that all comes down to health I'm going with Matt Breida and I think you know it's it's I'm sitting here and now I'm gonna talk myself out of this I mean do you give Matt Breida those snaps over Miles Gaskin after what he did last week I mean I, I, I don't know I'd much rather see Miles Gaskin and Jordan Howard if Jordan Howard's going to be Kalen Balaj and advisor like we saw last week I'd much rather see Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida despite how similar they are because I mean who's gonna stop you know we, we talk about thunder and lightning how can you stop lightning and lightning? Am I right? <laughs> lightning can, in fact, strike twice. And yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to give up on Jordan Howard just yet. I do think there were some injuries that were bothering him last week because he certainly didn't look like himself. But I mean, Miles Gaskin, nothing against him. He is a fine running back. But you want a fine running back to be your third guy. I mean, you want somebody in, in your first two spots, at least, to, who can make plays, who can really do something above and beyond what's given to you, right? I mean, we hope Jordan Howard would break a couple tackles. We hope Matt Breida would shimmy his way into the secondary. Breida and Gaskin both averaged 4.4 yards a carry. Gaskin just got four more reps compared to Breida. And then, uh, like you mentioned, those four receptions for Gaskin out of the backfield, which, again, were fine, but you want someone who can turn a seven-yard play into a 25-yard play just on his own. Like, that is kind of the expectations you have to be in the National Football League. So I agree with you. I think Matt Breida should be a a bigger part of this offense. They did trade for him, but, I mean, it was only a fifth-round pick. Not the biggest thing in the world, but but you're right. I would like to see Breida out there more. I'd like to even see get get a group of running backs out there if we're really that concerned. Uh, The Dolphins, they only pass the ball to the uh, running back six times. Last game, and the frustrating thing is twice it was Patrick Laird and four times it was Miles Gaskin. Matt Breida didn't have a single reception, and that's where he can really help your team move and function. Uh, Another thing to keep in mind, too, I mentioned it before the break, is that the Dolphins didn't have a lot of opportunities, right? They were really kind of three and out. Patriots go on a seven-minute drive, and that's kind of how the game went. So they really couldn't open it up too much. So I'm not going to get too, too concerned about how these things went week one, but you're right. I'd love to see Matt Breida get a little more involved. 
Um, and, and now let's just get into it. Bills 1-0. They beat the Jets 27-17 last week at the Dolphins. Dolphins getting five and a half points at home. There will be some fans in the crowd, uh, which is a little... It's fine, but it's you have to wonder if there's really worth the risk when we have... Uh, when we have uh, the Chiefs just put out a statement about how someone tested positive at the stadium uh, for the virus, a fan who came in. So you have to wonder if it's really worth the risk, but the Dolphins are going to try it. They're going to have some sort of fans. So is there really a home field advantage worth accounting for? Is the heat going to help? How should we feel about the Dolphins just generally being a, a team at home? That's a million-dollar question. I mean, I think the fans will have some type of impact, but I think, obviously, that heat's going to affect the Bills a lot more than, you know, however many fans. But I think I'm with you. I I didn't hear that thing about Kansas City, so that's really telling. And I do think that some of these teams that are, you know, very ahead of the curve and trying to get fans in stand, they need to take a step back because, I mean, if this season's going to progress and continue, you know, they they need to – to do whatever they can. And it's interesting because Brian Flores said that, you know, earlier today in a press conference that him and his coaches need to do a better job of wearing their mask. And we saw it all throughout the NFL, you know, these coaches, for whatever reason, they got a mask, but it's down around their chin and then they're covering their face with their, their playbook. I mean, it, the NFL teams need to do a better job on the sidelines, at least in my opinion, because it does seem like they're taking all the right precautions throughout the week. So to see it all, you know, turn a crap on game day, that would, that would be terrible. So I don't know how, impactful these few fans are going to be but I do think it's going to be very nice to finally have a game in Hard Rock Stadium to see that beautiful Dolphins Stadium and you know to hear some fans and we talked about last week you know was it going to be the first or second Ryan Fitzpatrick interception where they start to chant for for Tua Tungavailoa. Mm-hmm. Hey you're, you're 100% right and let's get into it. I have three factors here for week two. And first and foremost, I think the offensive line, I mean, I don't think I know. The offensive line needs to continue to be decent, especially against a good defense like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, We mentioned that Matt Breida and Miles Gaskin both averaged over four yards a carry in week one. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was only sacked once, and I think it was more his fault than anyone else. And weirdly enough, Fitz was better against the Blitz in week one. He was nine for 11 with seven first downs. No pressure. He was 11 for 19, five first downs, but a 44.3 rating. Uh, in the Bills-Jets game, the Bills stacked Darnold three times, but it was only for 13 yards, so that doesn't really seem like they were getting blown up as much as it was just kind of a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage. And it's with that, it's important to keep in mind that the Bills and Ravens were the only two teams to blitz more than 50% of the time in Week 1. Finally, that you know, we like to see the run game get going. We love to see this offensive line work well. Uh, but the Jets averaged 3.5 yards per carry, and were led by Frank Gore. We have to hope Miami's running backs are better than you know Frank Gore. Six carries for 24 yards. So I think it's got. It really starts with that offensive line. I think they had one penalty. The team had four overall in Week One. Uh, that one penalty, I think it kind of hurt them at the time. But generally speaking, I think he will take that any day of the week. I think this offensive line is really where this team needs to start going. They need to really build around that because, I mean, they scored 11 points, and I think this is the first time in five years the Dolphins' offense struggled, and we aren't instantly going to the offensive line. It's crazy to think about. It really is, and I mean, that's a testament to not only what Steve Marshall's done as an offensive line coach coming in here and getting these guys playing, but, you know, the Dolphins, how well they drafted and just how, how these players are. I mean, Austin Jackson played great. Eric Flowers struggled a little bit, Ted Karras as well, but Solomon Kinley, I mean, you see the, the the videos of him, he's just manhandling people. So it's exciting, but you look at the Bills' defense, and, you know, Sean McDermott's one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. You mentioned it in an earlier podcast, you know, the AFC East is just loaded with defensive-minded coaches, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of the way this football is being played in the AFC. So you look at their defensive line, they got Trent Murphy at left defensive end, Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, 
Vernon Butler, defense tackle, and Jerry Hughes. I mean, they got a plethora of, you know, options behind that. Mario Addison, Harrison Phillips, A.J. Epinesa. You know, the list goes on and on. So, for me, I think you're absolutely right. The Dolphins' offensive line got to go out there. They got to dominate the point of attack, much like they did, I, I want to say, throughout the game against New England. But, I mean, it still resulted in 11 points. You know, they didn't. There, there weren't these crazy flashy plays. I mean, it took them three chances at the goal line to pound the football in behind Robert Hunt. So there's definitely some kinks to work out here, but you got to love what the offensive line did, and we talked about all offseason long. They were 32nd ranked last year. They have to be much better than that this year. It already seems like they are. But again, going up against a very good Bills defense, game is going to be won and lost in the trenches. I'm excited to see the way these young players and this offensive line as a whole is, is up for the challenge. Something to keep in mind, I know you're a big A.J. Epinenza guy um, in the pre- or, um in draft time, he was a healthy scratch in week one. Just something to keep in mind for everyone who was kind yeah. of thinking about what the Dolphins were doing uh, at that the draft. A lot of people Obvi- are mad at the Dolphins for not drafting him. And, I mean, goes to tell you that how talented the Bills' defensive line is, and maybe he's not ready to take that next step like some of us expected. Exactly, and I think he probably would be active with the depth the Dolphins have at edge rusher, but but just something to kind of keep in mind. Maybe he's just not ready uh, for that NFL level yet. So so just something when we kind of look back in hindsight. Um, the second thing is the Dolphins really need to remain relevant in the turnover battle. Again, this one kind of seems pretty obvious, but it's really something that can make your game go one way or another, except that wasn't the case for the Dolphins against the Patriots. Brian Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions. The Patriots did not score off of any of those turnovers, which is mind-boggling to me. If you hear Fitzpatrick's going to have three interceptions, you think that score is going to be like 37 to 10, something like that, but that just wasn't the case. So the Dolphins, you can't expect that every week that you're going to turn the ball over three times and the other team's not going to score off of it. The Dolphins need to play a very clean game, and they need to force a turnover or two. They need to put their offense in probably an easier position, let them get some easy points to build that confidence. We saw what Jerome Baker did with that forced fumble. Uh, out of the end zone by Nikhil Harry. Uh, they almost recovered a muff punt very early in the game, which, you know, who knows if the Dolphins are up 7 nothing, what happens to that uh, game plan. And then with the struggle, struggle on offense, who would say no to a Josh Allen fumble? He lost two pretty bad fumbles in week one against the Jets, and the Jets' defense isn't good. I mean, they're a team that's really going to struggle. They gave away their best player, didn't give away, they traded away their best player. So I think of the Dolphins, I mean, you got to be average, maybe you're negative one in the turnover ratio. But I mean, with this defense, with the opportunities that Josh Allen gives you, I mean, the Dolphins need to remain relevant in the turnover battle if they want to come out with a win in week two. 100%. And I think it's very telling that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick did throw three interceptions, like you said. Patriots did not score off any of those. And, you know, they kept it within 10 points. I mean, this was relatively close game, you know, into the second half. So if the Dolphins can stick around against the New England Patriots, you know, playing that poorly and not allowing the Patriots to capitalize on those turnovers, who knows how they'll play against Buffalo. But I think it all comes down to, like you said, they got to go out there and they got to attack the football and they got to make those plays when they present themselves. We heard all offseason long how much, you know, in-depth the coaching staff has been about going out there and punching the football out. I mean, we saw Camus Regier Hill just run up, and he, I mean, this dude looked like he was street fighting. <laughs> he was just punching punch- a guy in the yeah, face, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was just beating the hell out of trying to get that ball out. So this is what you want to see. I do think, and we're, we'll just go right into your third point, and that's make the Bills pass the ball. And, I mean, that's something the Dolphins did not do against New England. We can all sit here and joke that they have the number one ranked pass defense. Yeah, well, they do because they got gashed for 217 yards on the ground. So, for me, and it all comes back to this, I like Josh Allen as a fantasy fo- – I mean, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in fantasy football, but he's a Buffalo Bill. So, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to slander his name like you see me do on Twitter and like you're going to hear me do on this podcast. I mean, this guy is – I don't know the best way to put it. It's like a, a water – it's like a 
It's like when you wake up and, you know, in the morning and you drank a lot of beer the night before and you have to go down to the bathroom to pee. That thing is going all over. Like, you're getting it all over the wall, the seats, the floor. That is Josh yeah. Allen's accuracy. That is literally <laughs> Josh Allen when he has to throw the football. So we know they got Stephon Diggs there. We know they got John Brown. They have some talented wide receivers. But if you can stop the run, which, I mean, we've yet to see the Dolphins do, and force Josh Allen to throw, I mean, I think that's where the success is. We know the Dolphins got gas for 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, six different players for New England actually had 20 yards rushing. Josh Allen threw the ball against the Jets. Brace yourself, and this was something that you put down 46 times bananas. against Absolutely the Jets. Bananas. And finished with 306 yards. Dolphins secondary is obviously much better than the Jets secondary. So, again, if they can stop – stop the ground game and force Josh Allen to make plays with his arm, I think that's when the success will come. We know Josh Allen has gashed the, the Dolphins since joining Buffalo, but but I think this could, again, if they can stop the run and force him to throw the football, this could have a different result than what, we, what we're used to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Dolphins secondary, to no surprise, is much better than the Jets secondary. And, you know, you once you get those, you know, two or three drives where it's a third and seven, your defense will settle right in. And then you'll give your offense just a few opportunities that they need to really take advantage of that and hopefully score a couple points. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Let's make the Bills throw the ball. I cannot believe that Josh Allen threw the ball 46 times against the Jets and only finished with 306 yards. Something I saw the Dolphins do, and I think it's going to be the same, is they're just going to try to limit the big plays, right? The Patriots really didn't have any huge gashing plays, but, you know, once you can kind of get Josh Allen to have to make a play or look for one of those 20-yard plays, that's where I think the Dolphins can really take advantage of him. So that's something I'm really hoping for. But again, this is a tough challenge for the Dolphins, especially if you see what they did against the Patriots. These teams, uh, in terms of Buffalo and New England, are very identical. The difference is we kind of know, we knew what to expect, or we know what to expect against Buffalo, where the Patriots, you thought they'd run with Cam Newton, but you didn't exactly understand how they were going to do it. And that might, I hope, I'm talking myself into it as a Dolphins fan, as that being the big issue. Finally, let's give our little pregame predictions here. And, and you know, I just kind of mentioned it. The Dolphins are going to have a shot if they play a clean football game. Keep it close. I don't think the Dolphins are really going to be able to are going to, you know, have no turnovers, are going to have three flags and then still get blown out by 30. It's just not going to be that type of game. If you limit your flags, you turn the ball over hopefully once or less, this game's going to be winnable. It's going to be absolutely winnable. It's when it, you look up and it's all sudden, you know, 20 to nothing early in the second quarter when it's going to be a disaster. That is what the situation the Dolphins cannot get themselves into, especially that is something that Fitzpatrick is kind of prone to doing. Uh, if that does happen, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how soon we could possibly see Tua. I mean, especially, I mean, dude, I just keep thinking of your video. He's just always standing right there ready to go in. Uh, like I just mentioned, the Dolphins have a very young team, but they had just four penalties for 35 yards in week one. Two of those by Jerome Baker are, or are excuse me, avoidable. Uh, they're kind of just knucklehead plays. It happens. Uh, the Dolphins had four penalties, their season low, three times in 2019. If you limit those penalties, you limit those turnovers, this team has a shot. I'm confident that the offense will get more opportunities to try things and really get rolling. And I'm a Dolphins fan, so I'm just going to say it. Dolphins are going to take this 20-13. to 13. I love that prediction, and I mean, I too am a Dolphins fan, and everyone listening to this is hopefully a Dolphins fan, or else uh, maybe we're doing the wrong podcast. But I, I love all your I love all your reasoning behind it, and I, I do think this game is very winnable. I know that the Dolphins have struggled against Buffalo as of late. Uh, we know Buffalo went out there and, and looked pretty well week one, but again, it was against a uh, atrocious Jets team. So 
I see this game. I think the Dolphins got to come out. They, they obviously got to stop the run, like we said. They got to establish the run game. Ryan Fitzpatrick has to play much better than what we saw. I think Devontae Parker is going to bounce back, like you said, if he's healthy and ready to go. If not, I mean, that's going to – I mean, that that – a whole a whole new depth of issues come into play then if if Parker's out and we got to rely on Preston Williams who didn't really look like that wide receiver one like you said last week you know Isaiah Ford and Jakeem Grant and maybe a Lynn Bowden or a Malcolm Perry I mean that to me would I don't know that I would feel as confident going into this game if Devontae Parker does sit out I don't think any Dolphin fan would so a lot's riding on his health and you know a lot of these players health as we head into the weekend but again established to run do not make mistakes if you're Fitzpatrick and, and force Josh Allen to throw the football. I, too, am a Dolphins fan, but just part I, – I don't know. I think playing New England, you kind of expected Cam Newton to run the football the way he did. You kind of hoped the Dolphins also kind of foresaw that, but they got absolutely gashed, and I don't think they can do that again. I think they're going to be able to they'll, – they'll do enough to stop the run or to slow down the run, but I don't think it's going to be enough to stop them. Again, I'm a Dolphins fan. Love the Dolphins with all my heart, but I'm going to go with Buffalo here. 27-20. Bring on the hate. I'm sorry. Boo me. Uh, I don't want. I don't want it to happen. I mean, I'm going to be angry if it does happen, but that's just <laughs> after the way they played the Patriots. I mean, I, it's hard to foresee that big of a change, you know, because what it, they had 270 yards rushing. So what? The Bills are going to have 150, you know. So uh, we'll we'll see what it is. 27-20 Bills. Don't hate me. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> but that that wraps up our Buffalo Bills preview. Keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. I can be found at jmendel94, J-M-E-N-D-E-L 94. Houts is simply at H-O-U-T-Z. Houts is a great follow. I mentioned the Tua video. The great content comes. He's there for all the press conferences. He'll make sure you know everything you need to going into the game time. And if you enjoy what you're listening to, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Leave a review. We'll read them on the show as they come in. We'll do a, a few every week so or every couple of weeks so thank you guys so much for listening we're getting excited it's week two it seems like we're starting to get into a rhythm where we got football sunday monday thursday and that's going to help us get through whatever we're battling so with that again thank you guys so much for listening and most importantly josh go dolphins and fins up fins up baby go dolphins and like cox once said f the bills f the bills that was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.